Hello, Internet. My name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And on this week's episode of... <laughs> and that's John. <laughs> it is John. John's on. <laughs> and this week's episode of the Screen Verdict Podcast, we have a special guest. As you already know, his name's John. But who is John, Matt? Well, um, there's this thing that I'm sure uh, a lot of our listeners have found online the past couple of weeks, and it's called the Pixar Theory, and it's really taken off. And as fans of our podcast know, we love any excuse to talk about Pixar. <laughs> we do. Don't we? It was our very first podcast two years ago. We ranked all the Pixar films. And um, someone who maybe cares even more about Pixar than us is John, um, who, who's, who authored the Pixar theory. Um, John, do you want to like, fill us in what inspired you to start this theory? Well, uh, I actually watched a video about a year ago on crack.com. There's a little, uh, a little show called after hours that they do that inspired me. They put the concept out there that all the Pixar movies might actually be in the same universe and all the movies might be related. And they only talk about a couple of different movies, but you know, as soon as I heard that concept, I've kind of been obsessed with it ever since, uh, over the course of the past year, I've just been writing this theory out and watching the Pixar movies over and over again, um, just to kind of flesh this out. When you say over a year, is that sort of, you know, every weekend, a couple, like a couple of hours here or there, or, is, or has that been your last year? Nothing but in a hole watching Pixar <laughs> and writing this theory. Nothing but Pixar movies every single weekend, no dates, no friends. Uh, (laughs) The process kind of started off um, actually uh, with my friends. Uh, We would have times where we would just be hanging out, um, you know, maybe catching a drink or something and uh, waiting in line. Or we would start talking about this Pixar theory that I was always talking about uh, online or on Facebook. Uh, As soon as I saw the theory on Cracked for the first time, I wrote a kind of like a three-paragraph version of the theory that it is now, just really rough. And my friends always thought it was really cool, so we would talk about it. Uh, That started last October, and by the time December rolled around, I was like, okay, I actually have a pretty cool thing on my hands here. I should totally start to really flex this out and you know, create a full-blown theory out of this. And next thing I knew, I was spending time at least once or twice a week, um, you know, go maybe watch a, a Pixar movie again, um, start writing things down. I took a lot of notes, but I actually, I didn't start writing the words that you see on the website until about two weeks ago. Um, so that's all pretty recent. I kind of put that together pretty fast. Uh, once I realized, you know, I had something that was pretty much complete. So nice. Did that help you out at the parties and things? People would be like, Oh, that's John. He's the Pixar guy. <laughs> that's exactly how it went, actually. Yeah. We would just be hanging out, have nothing to do. And someone would be like, well, we need to blow 20 minutes. John has this Pixar theory. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, here we go. And then I would spend 20 minutes telling groups of people my theory. And the reason I, you know, I really ran with it was because I could tell people really like um, this theory. People really like thinking about it, and it gets them to come up with their own interpretations of the theories. And, you know... It, I love talking about it and I loved, you know, bringing it up because people always have a very positive reaction. Even if they would say, you know, at first thought kind of be negative and be like, you have way too much time on your hands. They'd be like, that was really cool. So yeah, it's definitely <laughs> the reason why I've kept up with it for so long. Yeah. And what's really interesting about the article online is that, um, you've added things that people have come to you with. It's sort of almost an evolving theory and evolving document. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People are way smarter than me. <laughs> and like, don't come to me like, uh, you know, did you catch this? Did you catch this? And I'm, I'm just looking there like, no, I didn't, but let's put that in there. Um, although I am really careful about what I add to the theory. People definitely like to come up with their own, um, and you know, they like to come up with their own connections. And I don't want to just convolute the theory so much with so many different things. Um, I'm pretty selective about it, um, especially now that, you know, a lot of people have taken time to go through it. But, yeah, I owe the theory and its success definitely to the first uh, round of people who looked at it objectively and gave me, you know, more to add to it. Mm. Now, did you, John, um, do you like Pixar movies? (laughs) 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 They're terrible. (laughs) I I love Pixar movies. My favorite one is Toy Story. All three of those movies I've watched um, countless times. There actually isn't a Pixar movie. I didn't even... I even liked Cars 2. 
Oh I'm my. that guy. Oh uh, my. <laughs> yeah, weird. And people don't understand <laughs> what me and Cars 2 have. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love the Pixar movies. I think the only reason a theory like this could even exist is because a studio puts so much work and effort and love into their movies. I mean, it, it was easy for me to, you know, make this a fan project and, you know, put so much work into this. Now, we were very critical of Cars 2, John. You gotta give us a quick defense. You gotta give us. The, you gotta give us the. I mean, if you, I look at it alongside all the other animated movies that came out in what was it, 2011. I just remember that year. I was like, well, you know, a Pixar movie is better than no Pixar movie. And I, you know, when it came down to it, even though Cars was a little sillier and it didn't have that same heart the other Pixar movies have, and I would never compare Cars to to. Um, you know, like The Incredibles or Finding Nemo. Mm. But it was still a good time. I had a good time watching it. Uh, I, was, I remember I watched it with my niece, and she liked it enough, so... <laughs> well, we like Pixar a lot. In our Pixar rank, I believe Toy Story 3 uh, came in at number one. Yes. Um, uh, I think sometimes right. we think maybe it could have been Monsters, Inc. It's, it's very close at the top. It's a yeah. It's a close... Very close race. <laughs> yeah, very close. Do you have a favorite... Think is, Monsters, Inc. is my number four. Okay. So I put all the sort of movies, one, two, three, with Whoa. three being number two. I'm being a little weird. Like, okay, so it's Toy Story, Toy Story 3, Toy Story 2, and then Monsters, Inc. Oh, so that's, that's all right. As, I agree Toy Story 2 is the, the third out of the Toy Stories. Mm. Yeah, no, oh, the, so but very strong showing from Monsters, Inc. in John's list, not just <laughs> ours. So that's great. Monsters, Inc. getting a lot of, uh, cre- a lot of, a lot of props. <laughs> Do you ever find that people ask you, oh, you know, so you've got your timeline and things like, what about the Croods? Where does, where does the Croods come into this? The Croods? <laughs> well, since that's not a Pixar movie, I haven't really given it much thought. Cause Matt, I actually haven't seen it, so... Matt and I talk about Pixar a lot, and people come up to us and be like, oh, yeah, what about uh, Kung Fu Panda? And we're like, oh, my God. first of yeah, all, not a great movie. Secondly, almost. not Pixar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people... I mean, I could list off, like, millions of movies. People have been like, well, what about Bolts, Tangled, Frozen, mm. Wreck-It Ralph, Ants? They'll <laughs> quote things from those movies and think that, like, everyone and their mother thinks that Ants is a bug's life and they're the same movie. <laughs> so the comments on the theory, people are like, well, what about the time that guy was stepping on the ant? And I was like, no, no. Other <laughs> <laughs> well, I've told people that a, that a film is not Pixar and they haven't believed me. <laughs> they're like oh, no that's definitely Pixar <laughs> oh god it's not <laughs> I've just sent people links to IMDB just to prove it to them and yeah. I don't know <laughs> people are stubborn but yeah Did, was there a lamp bouncing in front of the screen before the movie guy no <laughs> there wasn't <laughs> uh, what more that people will say that they want the shorts to be in the theory um, I get that a lot well uh, definitely People want Presto and The Birds and Night and Day and all those cool little shorts that come before the movie. They definitely think that they can fit in theory. That's something I don't even have the, I don't have the time, <laughs> at least at this point, to even dream of that. Mm. Now, what's the response been like, John? Uh, it, it, has it gone just insane? This has gone pretty viral, this uh, theory. Whew, yeah. Uh, well, actually, I had a friend who posted the article to Reddit about, you know, not even the 12, 13 hours after I posted online. And, you know, it it started off at a pretty, you know, decent start. You know, it was about like 300, 400 views. And then my friend was like, hey, I'm going to put this on Reddit. And I'm like, sure, why not? And then the next thing I know, it got like 50,000 hits in about an hour. And, you know, the next day we were in the millions. So especially in uh, the U.S., the U.K., uh, New Zealand, and Brazil, that's where it's been just really popular. Um, I have a friend who works at uh, Gallup in D.C., and she put together kind of how many impressions and how many, like, you know, even, like, potentially how many people could have read this thing. And after looking at the data, this was as of, like, Wednesday, um, between 100 and 300 million people all over the world have read this thing, um, <laughs> which is just astounding to me. Like, I can't even believe that's possible. But uh, it's been translated in at least 10 languages. Um, people will email me and be like, hey, you know, I want to translate this into Portuguese, or hey, I want to translate this into French. Um, I have, like, Irish newspapers contacting me, asking me if they can syndicate it. 
and definitely um, it got a huge push by you know the big websites like Mashable and Huffington Post, and um, they kind of helped me get it off the ground and get it in front of a lot of people. The best part is it's always been linking back to my blog, so I've been able to you know meet a lot of really cool people and have a lot of cool people visit the site. And, um, so it's been it's definitely viral. Um, over the past week, it's, it's winded down a little bit too. So it's kind of nice for me. It's becoming a little more manageable to handle all this, but hmm. are you able to walk the streets? Is it, are you just <laughs> getting recognized everywhere and buying milk? Oh, jeez, I don't, I don't get recognized. Um, I think that's a good thing. Um, but I hear people talk about it in public. Um, <laughs> I was at Starbucks the other day and people were talking about it in the line. And I kind of messed with them a little bit. I was like, oh, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, oh, this Pixar. It's the craziest thing. Like, oh, I wrote that, you know. <laughs> and uh, actually people are just surprised that, like, somebody in their town, like, actually wrote it. And very rarely is somebody like, oh, you know, like, you know, someone from Lynchburg obviously wrote this thing. Um, that's where I'm from. But um, it's been pretty weird. And a lot of my friends have been, like, you know, messaging me and, like, congratulating me and stuff. Uh, they definitely, every time I run into somebody I know in public, they're like, hey, congrats on the article. And I'm like, cool, I haven't seen you in like five years. But. <laughs> so do you feel like people are maybe trying to mooch off your success, people you don't really know contacting you, maybe like uh, a paper or a podcast trying to get you on? <laughs> <laughs> nah, everyone just, uh, I think everyone just can't get enough of the theory and just like to talk about it and um, I definitely haven't had a problem with anybody who wants to syndicate the theory, um, especially if they want to translate it. I think that's awesome. But yeah, I, I've had very little problems with people um, coming up to me and being, you know, like, hey, let's do this thing together. Let's, you know, uh, people have been really cool about it. And uh, yeah. Has anyone from Pixar reached out to you? Are they are they upset that you've blown their theory? Are they blowing <laughs> it? The, the conspiracy's out? Um, a little joke I like to tell people is that I'm, you know, if you can't tell, I'm in the Disney vault right now. I've been under house arrest for weeks now. Um, <laughs> no, I, no one from Pixar has contacted me. I, you know, I didn't really expect it, um, especially when I first wrote the article. But, you know, it's kind of weird. Like, people are always asking me that question. And people are always telling me, like, people are always tweeting at Pixar for me. Um, I've never, like, actually gone to Pixar um, myself. Uh, the closest I've come to talking to Pixar was somebody tweeted at Ian Critch, the, um, he directed Toy Story, Toy Story 3, a few other Pixar movies, and he tweeted back to that person tagging me in it, which that just kind of, you know, blew me away. I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, the director of one of my favorite movies of all time. But, uh, all he said, somebody asked him, um, what he thinks about the theory, and he was just, he said 42, making a little dig at Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and I was like, all right. Um, that's good enough for me. I don't think, I think that's the last one I Pixar, you know, correspondence, co- uh, correspondence, at least for now. Mm. Far be it for me to tell Pixar how to do their job, but it might be good to just keep the magic a lot, like not commenting on it could get more traction. <laughs> that's saying. kind of what I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of wondering if they're going to put me in their next movie and I might <laughs> be like some conspiracy theory character and they're just going to like, you know, put a little nod to that. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I thought. In terms of the uh, response, we said you had people uh, sort of providing their feedback. What would you say the percentages of people trying to disprove the theory, find errors, and versus people that are trying to help and add to the theory? <laughs> that's really tough because it's so different everywhere I go. Like on Reddit, it's like 99% people trying to disprove the theory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll just go by it. On Twitter, it's just people like trying to add to it. But uh, I guess the best balance I've found, and it's been a really good 50-50 on uh, the website itself, on johnnygurney.com, half the comments pretty much are like, well, you know, people asking questions or people adding things and trying to clarify. And then the other half are, you know, people who are just kind of like, well, what about this? This kind of doesn't make sense. And then, of course, there's like 10% of people, you know, I'm terrible at math. There's like 10% of people who are like, you know, you're terrible. You know, you should get a job, like all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Uh, luckily that's not like you know a lot otherwise i'd be super depressed right now (laughs) well let's let's have a bit of a look at some of the key features of this theory um and it all starts and in some ways ends with brave the i guess most recent new sort of environment pixar created 
So it starts there with the, um, and correct correct me if I'm wrong about anything, John, because I think you know this theory a bit better than I do. <laughs> but it's, it starts with that's where the animals start to get their, uh, their, their develop human-type skills, okay? Right. With the wisps yeah. and things like that. And then we have um, Ratatouille, Finding Nemo, and Up, where we see the evolution of those those animals, right? Right. Um, strictly speaking, on the timeline, um, you know, technically Incredibles does come before Ratatouille. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's in an alternate 1960s. The only reason I don't talk about it second after Brave is because it talks that kind of sets the universe up for artificial intelligence and machines and uh, kind of what leads into Toy Story. But uh, you're right. And Brave, um, I try not to say that the source of everything is the witch mm-hmm. and or the will-o'-wisps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the idea of like animals growing more and more intelligent is kind of something that's hinted at in Brave. But I think future Pixar movies that might go a little back farther might give us more light onto why exactly we have these anthropomorphic I can't say that word, never mind uh, why we have animals that are acting like humans um, um, you know something that's a little more tangible than magic I think would be a nice explanation mm-hmm. um, but yeah, then it goes into Ratatouille and Finding Nemo and Up and we kind of learn a little bit more um, about how humans you know, react to animals talking, um, we definitely see that in Ratatouille, we absolutely see that in Up with the collars um, Finding Nemo, we don't necessarily. Um, Finding Nemo would actually take place before Ratatouille. Mm-hmm. I have two possible explanations for where Finding Nemo falls, um, and it's based on an Easter egg. It's really, you know, if you look at Toy Story three, uh, there is a magazine that Andy's little sister is reading, and it has a picture of Darla on it. And I believe that is because Toy Story three takes place in two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. Then that means Finding Nemo if Darla is still around that age, would actually come after Ratatouille. Um, so that's one way to look at it. Or you could just say, well, these came out, you know, the same year that Pixar released them. So Finding Nemo is 2003 and Ratatouille is 2007. And um, the only other thing I would say is Up definitely comes up, comes after Toy Story 3. Um, we can definitely, there's a lot of Easter eggs that point at that, and I'm 100% sure of that. But, um, yeah, that's a little bit into the madness. There's this theory, and it's so difficult to articulate in words. Um <laughs> For sure. And then um, then I guess we've got the sort of machine sort of side of things where we have in Toy Story, we have the, the toys uh, uh, sort of uh, having a life to them, that moving on, I guess, developing into uh, where there's this sort of machine apocalypse, the humans go off in their little uh, Noah's Ark ship uh, to go eat, eat uh, by and large sort of stuff, and um, then the cars take over. Sure. Yeah, it's funny because when I first came up with the theory, I was kind of still thinking in the way that Crack.com kind of introduced the concept. Um, more specifically, Dan O'Brien is the Cracked writer who kind of presented all of this. And, you know, it's a really funny video. I uh, definitely recommend anybody to watch it. But uh, he kind of says it's a robot apocalypse and there's this war between the machines and the animals and the humans. Um, that's how I, that's where I started. I was like, okay, well, you know, there's a war, obviously humans lose. But then as I started to look at, by and large, and how it's kind of set up, and kind of Pixar's attitude in general over corporations and machines, like, they seem to have kind of a negative, you know, message when it comes to, comes to like, big business and their movies. I think of, by and large, as this organization that the machines are using to slowly give humans exactly what they want, which is endless consumerism, which, you know, leads to taking off all the animals um, to the point where machines decide they have to get rid of humans in order to kind of replenish the earth and get rid of animals or maybe curb the animal's intelligence so that they won't take over as a dominant species. And the reason that machines would want to do that is because they know that mach- they know that animals are getting smarter, humans are the source of what they- machines tick, and so logically that's the plan. They want the humans to come back eventually. They keep everything the way it is and cars... You still have all of the different, you know, landmarks and everything. Everything's kind of the same way. Um, still, like, human influences, but from a machine's perspective. And I think that was actually the whole purpose of Cars and Cars 2, was to be like, well, what if machines replaced humans? What would that actually look like? And um, I think we have our answer. But then eventually, without humans around and uh, cars driving all over the earth, pollution becomes so terrible that the humans can't return. 
So by and large, decides that they need to clean up the Earth using the Wally robots. Um, unfortunately, it's too late, far too late, and the machines eventually die out. Wally is the last one left, and no one remembers to turn him off. And hundreds of years later, at least 600 years later, uh, Wally liberates the humans and becomes Robot Jesus, and everyone's super happy and returns to Earth. Um, <laughs> and then we go back to animals with Bugs Life. But uh, yeah, that's kind of definitely the crux of the theory. That's where you know a lot of people find a lot of problems. They like to be like little cars. You know, there's plants here and there. There's you know you can hear birds, and I don't, I don't know. It gets so detailed and crazy. Like I could talk about it for hours. But uh, yeah, that's gist of it. <laughs> okay, I've got a question on this. <laughs> who, who, in your theory, who made Wally? Was that humans? Was that cars? When did he get created? I think, and you know, I've actually never really thought about it, but I do believe the machines, you know, through by and large, are responsible for a lot of, you know, a lot of what we see in Wally. Mm-hmm. The idea of machines being created to serve humans. Uh, I think Wally was created by humans, um, technically. Perhaps he was created by the machines, like after the Cars universe. Mm-hmm. It could go either way. I'd have to really think about that for a second. But I think Wally's personality and the way that he kind of connects with, you know, human objects and that's what keeps him going, um, I think that kind of almost suggests that he would have been created by humans or at least mm-hmm. been around and they were to know what they were. But, mm-hmm. you know, just speculation. Um, mm-hmm. I could probably think about that a little further. <laughs> Maybe it was an um, immaculate conception. Maybe <laughs> he's the Jesus <laughs> of Pixar. Up. <laughs> yeah. We do know he's a scavenger. A lot of his parts are made up of things that he found while cleaning up. Mm. Um, and his curiosity is what kept him alive. So, hey, you know, that is that's a loose little, you know, connection there. Mm, yes. Um, and then we got, I, I think one of the surprising things was, um, when I was reading through this, how late in the timeline Bugs Life is. I would have assumed that would, would be one of the earlier ones, but it comes uh, towards the end, and that's sort of, a, I guess, a return to the animals. And then we have uh, Monsters, Inc., which your whole uh, theory behind Monsters is that that is some form of um, of cross-species, mutations, uh, perhaps animal-human Crossbreeding. <laughs> uh, yes, this uh, this theory does have bestiality. My parents are proud. Um, <laughs> yeah, when it comes down to it, I think the more simple explanation is that it is just animals, and that humans, you know, just didn't last. Um, but yeah, and the reason um, a lot of people really like to argue with me about a bug's life showing up late, and they're like, "You're thinking too hard about it," and you know, Occam's razor, and they say things like that. But when it comes to a bug's life. There are just so many things about that movie and the way the animals are portrayed in that movie that are so different from Finding Nemo, Ratatouille, Up, and all the other Pixar movies. Because what you'll see is, um, and the first thing that gave me the idea was the tree. You know, at the end of Wally, post credits, uh, I saw the shoe and the tree come up, and I was like, "Man, Pixar likes its trees." That's just like the one in A Bug's Life. So when I was thinking about it, I was like, "Maybe that's the tree in A Bug's Life," and that's why there are barely any humans going around. Um, I have a lot of evidence to support the bugs. Um, they don't fear humans. Uh, when Flick decides he's going to go find big bugs, they tell him it's dangerous, and they tell him the dangers are birds and snakes and bigger bugs. But they don't even bring humans up. Um, and I, I just think that's really interesting. And I think that uh, there are so many other things about a bug's life, the fact that they have a second-grade class, they have human constructs everywhere, cities, bars, um, we don't see that really in any of the other animal movies. We kind of see a world that revolves around humans. So that's what kind of led me to believe that A Bug's Life is really the story of animals and insects trying to, you know, reestablish Mother Nature, the circle of life, as Hopper puts it, um, in that movie. And I think it fits way more comfortably uh, after Wally. And plenty of people end up agreeing with me. I just have to argue with them for at least like an hour on it. Um, <laughs> and then comes Monsters Inc. Yeah, I. I think it comes. It takes place a few thousand years after you know mankind has kind of died out. Um, Earth no longer has the resources to sustain, and animals become the dominant species. And animals and machines, uh, needing energy, realize that they need to create um, time machines. Something I kind of added to the theory is that I think machines really, you know, because Monsters Inc. is a corporation, just like by and large, it's kind of the future of by and large. Machines are still controlling everything using, you know, animals or monsters as their puppets. 
Um, these doors are actually traveling in time, but the monsters don't realize that because the machines want to keep history intact. So uh, what they do is they tell the monsters that if they stay too long in the human world, they mess with things and come back, it messes up the timeline. Um, in very rare cases, do they ever leave monsters on the other side? That's if they banish them. And those cases are what creates things like the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot. But in order to keep the ruse, that's why Monsters, Inc., they think that they're going, they don't even say it exactly, but they think they're going to some other dimension um, where there are humans. So I, I, that's my kind of explanation for that. That's definitely like a big thing that people like to argue about. Um, but yeah, and then it all ties back to the brave. Mm, with, and this is the, a bit of a key part of the theory that Boo from Monsters, Inc. is the witch from Brave. And that's like a big... I didn't want to drop that bombshell unless you guys were cool with the spoiler, but yeah. No, we have, fo- yeah, we will, we might give a spoiler word warning in the description. <laughs> yes. Spo- spoiler warning, while talking about the Pixar theory, we yeah. will talk about the Pixar theory. Yeah. So, Boo <laughs> and the witch are the same person, uh, and the I guess the smoking gun that you spotted was there's a picture of Sully in the witch's uh, workshop. I bet you it's definitely got on, like on its own. 10 or 12 smoking guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the biggest one. And it's it's what made me realize uh, that she is a witch. I discovered this actually two weeks ago. Um, I had already finished writing the Pixar theory at that point, And I was looking through all the Easter eggs I found. And someone actually sent me this article that showed a picture of Sully in the witch's workshop. And it just clicked. I was like... Oh my word! If Monsters Inc. is about time travel, then Boo must be the witch. And I saw that picture, and I started, you know, re- like going over all the eggs and looking at how Brave um, kind of matches with Monsters Inc. And I fully fleshed it out as yes, Boo is looking for Sully, and she's trying to learn. You know, she's obsessed with wood. I think wood is the source of what the machines use to create time travel. I think she figures this out. I actually have um, one of my, one of the fans of the theory. Um, is working on a way to incorporate Presto from the short films as the person who teaches Boo magic. And she goes back to Brave in order to find, you know, the tools that she needs to find Sully. And another thing that I think is so fascinating about The Witch and Brave, and a lot of people, a a cool thing about the theory is a lot of people actually went back and watched Brave. A lot of people hadn't yet, um, which they should. It's a good movie. Better than Cars 2. In the workshop, all of the Easter eggs um, in Brave are in that workshop. There's not a single Easter egg in any other part of Brave. And that is unique to Brave compared to the other Pixar films. And to me, it's be- I think that speaks to the witch being the one who leaves all these clues everywhere, um, explaining why Flick and Heimlich from A Bug's Life are in Toy Story 2. What are they doing there? The Luxo Ball. Um, you know, certain things happening in the timeline that are kind of weird and don't make any sense, like A113, one of the most popular Easter eggs. Um, something that the Pixar animators put in there as kind of a reference to how they got their start. Um, you know, things like that kind of make Boo the most important character and her love for Sully the most, inca- most important uh, story um, in the entire Pixar universe. And I think that's the reason people like the theory. Um, I think once they get to that part, and, you know, it's kind of like a happy-ish ending, I think that's what kind of makes everything full circle. It was like the one thing when I was working on the theory that I needed. I was like, I need to make sure this is airtight, this is something that people are going to make a connection with. And I think that's when it comes down to it. Um, the idea of Boo being the most important character in Pixar is something people are totally okay with and are sold on. <laughs> so uh, would you say that that uh, is the the fulcrum point to the theory? This is the most important part of the theory? Like, if you could say this theory rests on one thing, is that the thing it rests on the most, or...? That feels like a setup, Matt. It feels like it feels like you've got something that you that you want to use to disprove it. You're like, put all your eggs in one basket, John, and then I'm going to try and smash them. I'm ready. Um, I I think Brave in general is the most important movie. I think without it, um, this theory kind of lacks a beginning. I wouldn't say Boo is the most important part of the theory. I would say it's the most. Uh, I think it's the most interesting part of the theory, and it's the most mind-blowing aspect of the theory. Mm-hmm. Um, I think without it, you still have a really cool connection between the movies. You know, when I first started off with the theory, I assumed that Monsters Inc. was in a different dimension, and I, you know, I didn't even put it, you know, after Wally. Uh, I think 
I think as long as you still have the main, you know, movies kind of in sequential order, that's enough for people to grasp on. But, I mean, this, the idea of Boo being the witch is just something that's just so cool in so many people's minds. Without it, the theory is kind of, you know, pretty forgettable. I guess I put it that way. Mm. But, uh, yeah, if you want to take shots at, uh, <laughs> at the theory, that's a great place to start, for sure. Um, <laughs> but surprisingly... Very few people, like a lot of people, will argue about the theory, but not that many people will argue about her being a witch. They'll kind of totally, you know, take that on as canon. So, mm. well, no, I don't, I don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the interesting thing though, did you have when you were working on this theory? Like I've seen a beautiful mind how John Nash worked on his sort of theoretical theories. He was like writing on chalkboards and windows <laughs> and everything. And like, you see the most recent, yeah, like his Eureka most was, Oh, it doesn't make sense. Oh wait. Yes. Did you have moments like that? <laughs> oh, I wish. Wow. I actually had a commenter who was like, I could just imagine you in your room, you know, like imagine these walls like covered in every scene and every Pixar movie connected by red string. Um, <laughs> that's something I wish I had done. I didn't even, I, just, I honestly, I just have a notebook and it's really boring. I, I would just sit down, you know, watch a Pixar movie, take notes as I went. Um, I think the movie I had to watch the most was A Bug's Life because that took the most convincing. Um, that and Monsters, Inc. But, uh, and, and then The Incredibles, if I had to pick three. But, um, yeah, the process was very, you know, <laughs> it wasn't quite as Edward Snowden as people like to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, I, I wish I wish I was like Edward Snowden mm-hmm. in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> of Pixar, at least. Yeah, um, another person said that they can just imagine... Um, you know, me coming out of like the Disney vault in a couple of weeks and, you know, my entire memory being erased and like my life is, you know, lost all purpose, but mm. not quite. So yeah. luckily there's that. Well, um, I've got a few, a couple of uh, points on the theory. Firstly, in a bug's life when they flood the ant, oh wait, that's ants. That's ants. My bad. <laughs> my bad. Um, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, secondly, um, secondly, this is my big problem with the theory. John Ratzenberger doesn't seem to be a big part of the theory. <laughs> the one guy who's been in every Pixar movie. Why is he not in the theory? Why is he not in the theory? He's in every because... Pixar movie. <laughs> a lot of people have been asking that, and they're like, well, you know, he's the same voice. I, I, I think that's a production thing. That's not an Easter egg. I mean, <laughs> no. yeah, he's in every movie. I think it's more because he's a, he's a great voice actor. I, I don't think there's a conspiracy there. I don't even know where I would begin to be like there's some kind of cloud atlas thing going on where there's like, you know, each you know object and eight, every like birthright keeps going on. I, I don't really subscribe to that part of the theory. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, if somebody has a really good idea, I think I read one or two theories on how he would fit in. I, didn't, I don't know. I haven't heard anything convincing yet. I haven't come up with anything yet. I think... Um, I think he's just going to be the enigma of the theory and will always be, um, as he is in the movies themselves. Maybe the Pixar universe takes place in Cliff Clavin's snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. You know. there, there's a lot of people who like to think that all the movies um, tell true stories, but uh, all of the characters are actors, hence the blooper reels, mm. and all of the cameras in other movies. And... Um, that would be a cool little like if I had a if I had a you know gun in my head include John Ratzenberger and all the you know in the theory I'd have to subscribe to that although I don't like to think that because it mm. kind of takes the fun out but yeah. it's something cool to think of. Mm. So if this has been the progression, I guess, of the Pixar universe, where does it end? What's what's the the finale to the story, John? <laughs> I don't know, because Pixar hasn't told me yet. I mean, a good dinosaur is coming up. And I think that's going to tell us more about, you know, the origin of the theory. Um, Inside Out uh, is coming out to, I don't too, I don't know too much about that. I think that's the same one as where they're talking about Day of the Dead. Um, I could be wrong about that. I honestly, I don't know. I think the end, I think the end of the theory is whatever you want. Uh, you know, whether or not you think that Sully and Boo ever reunite. Uh, if you believe that, uh, you know, the monsters and because I like the ending to it already where the monsters, the machines and the humans are able to kind of come to an understanding um, thanks to time travel. I don't I don't know where it could possibly go from there. I, but, you know, Pixar's going to keep being, making movies. So we're just going to have to see, I guess. 
I, I don't think I'm going to add planes, but I don't even think that would even, you know, do anything. I, I think that's supposed to be Disney, is what a lot of people have told me. Yeah, I think they're yeah, taking so. the Pixar off that. I think they're... Mm. Uh, you see, yeah, you uh, you mentioned Boo finding Sully. You've sort of created this situation where that's a really nice thought, but we want to see it now. <laughs> that's what we want to well, see Boo uh-huh. find Sully, but if Pixar did that, that would be that would be like confirming the theory. You, you created a catch twenty two, John. Well, you know there is a possible solution to that. Um, there, there's somebody who reached out to me. He's a he's actually an animator for a few Disney things, and we are actually, you know, I guess I can go public with this now because why not? Uh, we're actually working on a web comic um, that kind of takes this theory and kind of makes it real. Um, obviously, it's still fan fiction. Um, he's retired and. You know, I just think that would be super cool. Um, but we, we probably will wrap things up ourselves. We're currently writing it and uh, coming up with how we want to do it. But unfortunately, it will never be canon. Um, I think Pixar does have kind of a catch strength too. I mean, if if they want to put a secret Easter egg in it and make it ridiculously hard for me to find, um, where I have to spend my lifetime watching the Pixar movies <laughs> over and over again, I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> if it means I'll find it on my deathbed. Yeah. Are, are, are you a bit paranoid that there'll be a Pixar film that will come out that will disprove your theory now? Not really. No. I mean, if they disprove my theory, I'll just come up with something else. Okay. And I can always, you know, honestly, <laughs> it, it, it works up to this point. If someone really, if Pixar was really cheeky and decided to add something deliberately to disprove my theory, I would just blame it on time travel or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No, that's a like, good point. Yeah. Like, hmm. Are you sick of any of the Pixar movies? Because you would have had to watch them all so often, like, to come up <laughs> with this theory. Um, I'll never be sick of the Toy Story. Yes. And uh, I'll never be sick of um, either of the Monsters, Inc. I, I love Monsters University. Um, I thought that was really well done. Hmm. Oh, jeez. I don't, I don't think I am sick of any of them. If any, I, I might be a little sick of Cars 2. Watching it twice was, you know, one more time than I wanted to. But, you know, <laughs> I did enjoy it, I promise. <laughs> Other than that, I'm not really sick of anything. I guess I'd have to watch them, you know, a little bit more. And I'm sure I'll be sick of that the coming weeks as this, you know, kind of winds down. Mm. Yeah. Matt mentioned something sort of interesting in our Monsters University podcast. It sort of applied to... A th- this is first for everything. <laughs> Prequels in general, that... Uh, he was worried that there would be this sort of big story in Monsters University, and he would find it hard to believe that something so amazing happened in a prequel that wouldn't have got mentioned in the original film. So, in terms of, say, something like there being this machines, animals, humans, like apocalypse, basically, and then the humans having to be, like, live, like, off in space, how how does that not get mentioned at some point in Wally? Uh, are all the humans just sort of oblivious to what went on? Are they just sort of fed the consumer uh, propaganda and they don't know? Why is this not referred to, I suppose? Uh, for the same reason that nobody really suspects the autopilot. Because if you if you go back to Wally, um, which is my fifth favorite Pixar movie. Um, <laughs> I think it was our fifth, too. <laughs> it's my third. <laughs> if, if you go back to Wally when the humans are an axiom, uh, no one, not even the captain, suspects that the autopilot, this really intelligent AI, is kind of running the show. And when they, you know, first get their inkling that they can go back to Earth, he tries to hide it. And I think the reason for that, and the reason that the humans are so in the dark about machines and kind of how that's all played out, is because, you know, they're getting all their needs met. They have everything they want in their lives. They just don't really care. Um, I think that's kind of why there's no, you know, big human uprising. It's kind of a little nod to how, you know, imperfect we are as humans. Uh, you give us what we want and, you know, it's a very, you know, freedom and, you know, ultimate pleasure kind of leads to ignorance. So I think that's kind of where I would go with that, um, if that's suitable enough. Yeah, that, m- that makes sense. You're very, con- <laughs> you're very convincing in person, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell this is really bothering you. Uh, <laughs> I hope I... You know, give a good uh, defense. Did um, uh, here's a question. You got all these bridges between the films and connections and things that that happen to connect them all. Is there one of those that, like, in your sort of dream world, you'd love to see them make a movie of? Part of the story that you've come up with or you've observed that we don't see in the films. 
Definitely. I would love to see what happens between Up and Cars. This kind of how, by and large, takes over the world. Because if you watch, you know, the there's a commercial in Wally that talks about how, by and large, takes over the world governments, mm. even. And that is coinciding with animals, uh, you know, becoming more and more intelligent and possibly, you know, becoming their own entity as we see in Finding Nemo. I would love to see a movie about how the machines have to handle this and how, you know, why the humans got sent to Axiom or on Axiom into space the way that they did and kind of set it up for what happened to the animals exactly. Um, what did the cars do? What did the machines do that, you know, made it so animals are no longer seen or worried about? So I think that is the missing link there that I would lo- I think on film would be a really cool, uh, a really cool story if somebody good was behind it. Not me. I don't think I could, you know, do it justice, but somebody could. Hmm. I'm wondering how this theory is affecting my opinion on Pixar. Because in a way, I'm thinking it's very hard to write a screenplay. I imagine it would be even harder to write 12 or 13 screenplays 20 years in advance, linking all of these separate films together. If there is this giant master plan uh, on Pixar's behalf. But it also, it, it sort of frustrates me a bit with Pixar, because as you say, there are all these great stories that they could have told, but instead we get some silly spy Cars nonsense in Cars 2. They wasted a whole movie telling us a story we didn't want to hear, when there are all these other great stories out there. But even Cars 2 tells a really interesting story underneath all the spy Grand Prix nonsense. There is this message about how, uh, you know, how the world is being manipulated for resources. Um, you see, you know, McMissiles all in all, you know, kind of an allusion to by and large. You see um, how they use the idea of clean energy to make money and to propagate oil. And I think even in what's considered the worst Pixar movie, you have Pixar kind of carrying this message of, hey, like, you know, we need to take care of this planet. We need to, you know, put the right people in charge of, you know, making sure our lust for energy doesn't take us over. I do get where you're coming from. I, I know there's, like, rumors and stuff. Um, I, I don't know. There's 100% for sure. People always say that this uh, say this is truth. I really don't know. But they say that Pixar came up with the ideas for most of their films in one setting, which is uh, <laughs> the big reason. I think... The first person who probably came up with this idea that they're all the same universe probably came to that conclusion just from the fact that they had Wall-E planned in 1994. I, I think that Pixar, like, people will say, the only reason all these movies seem connected is because you have all of these people, you know, working on the same movie, they're using the same models, you know, it takes forever to make these movies, that's why. And my my only answer to that is, like, why can't it be both? You know, why can't one inform the other and have, like, hey, we, we're putting, you know, this Easter egg in here anyways. Let's, uh, you know, let's make it suitable for this grand, you know, timeline scheme that no one will ever come up with. Um, that's how I like to look at it, as completely unrealistic as it seems. Um, and, I mean, I think I've convinced um, a good number of people, so I guess... You know, as long as Pixar doesn't come knocking on my door, I don't think I've stumbled on anything they had planned for the next ten Pixar movies. And I, I think also, like, even if the theory is true, I still don't think the theory would govern every single decision Pixar makes as a studio. <laughs> like, Cars is clearly uh, Cars Two is clearly a smart business move for selling merchandise and things <laughs> like that. So they can probably still do that, make it fit in with the theory without like making the theory be the thing that dictates every movie. I, I think I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, that they have made mistakes before um, as far as, like, linking the movies. Um, one of the big ones is in, in Monsters, Inc. Uh, Sully, or no, actually, Mike tells Sully that he's had it out for him ever since the fourth grade. But then they came out with Monsters University, which says, oh, these guys actually met in college. Oh, no. Um, you have, you have some things like that. It's, it's rare, right? Like, you hear that, and you're like, plot hole? Pixar? Yeah. Never. <laughs> it happens. Um, I think that uh, I, I think that Cars 2 and Monsters University are movies that Pixar, you know, they, they were fine doing, but I don't think I don't think it was a passion project for them like the other Pixar movies are, and that's why, especially in Cars 2, you can kind of tell. It's just a little forced. Um, you can tell that Disney has a little more, you know, a little more control over the movies that they that they're doing, but uh, you know I think that Pixar's made the best of it, and I think they still managed to turn out movies that 
you know, plenty of people have enjoyed. So I, I honestly, I can't be like, oh, you know, I can't complain because there's still good movies in their own right, um, especially Monster University. So, yeah. Now, something about the theory, I imagine a, a common response is that they really like the theory. It's, it's really interesting. It's engaging. And they'd really like it to be true. But they probably don't think that Pixar had this plan from the start. You yourself, John, gun to your head, before all the Pixar films were, were, were made, did they have a master plan? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't there. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I can't say one or the other. I'd like to... I'd honestly like to say, like, ah, probably not, you know. It's just a fun theory, you know. But then the other the other side of me is, like, don't grow up, John. Like, <laughs> you know, try to have a little imagination. Uh, I, I think the only reason I will not outright say, I've never really outright said this, that the whole thing is just kind of, you know, a fun theory and there's no way it could be true is because I think Pixar is perfectly capable of something like this. <laughs> there are just so many studios and movies that have put crazy amounts of meticulous detail into their movies that they just don't expect people to catch. Um, my favorite um, version of that is Inception. You know, you, they put it in there because they love the movie, um, not because they think people are actually going to figure it out. So that's why I have to be like, I, I could see Pixar doing this. <laughs> so I can't say, like, no, there's no way. I have to say... There is a shred of me that believes that this theory is totally true, and there's nothing anyone can do to tell me otherwise. It's it's so. just infectious, John. Before before the podcast, I thought it's, it's a good read, but I I don't I don't believe it. But now I want to believe it, John. You're making me a believer. <laughs> so gun, okay. gun 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 to your head, Jono. Do you believe the Pixar theory? What's your take on it? What are you gonna? What's your verdict? Uh. If I die from this gun to the head, John, I'm gonna be very disappointed with you. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the theory. I like it. <laughs> you believe the theory? I thought, I thought there'd be no way you'd believe the theory. I don't know why I thought you were. I thought, I thought there'd be no way. Uh, I, I don't know. I just like, Boo's probably my favorite like Pixar character of all time, and to have oh. her be the central thing of the theory, you just, you just root for it. Mm. I mean. Everyone loves the underdog, so... I, I'm going to buy into the theory. Because <laughs> here's the thing. I think the overall... I think you judge a theory by the overall hypothesis, right? You look at the number one... You don't look at if you can find a little hole here and there in it. Like I, you, you go to the big roots. And I think the big claim is that they all exist within the same universe. And I think with what John's presented... I'm happy to say, yes, they do all fit within the same universe. His main question, I think, holds, holds water. That's my, that's, that's my view on it. So, I think that's the most logical thing I've ever heard someone say about the theory. It's <laughs> strictly like, you know, like, you really, like, you know, went philosophical there, and I, I'm all for that, so. Oh, there we go. <laughs> well, uh, maybe not all listeners do, so I'll try to keep the philosophy at a minimum. <laughs> but So is that our screen verdict? That's on a, the, on that's the a theory? screen verdict. It's three votes yes. Three <laughs> votes. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, thanks so much, John, for uh, spending the time us on the podcast. Uh, now, uh, do you want to just give people your website? How do people find you? How do you want people uh, connecting with you online? Well, um, the two best ways are through my website and Twitter. Um, I love talking to people on Twitter, being sarcastic and cutting them down. Um, not that last part. Uh, they can get me at uh, my Twitter handle is at John Negroni, uh, J-O-N-N-E-G-R-O-N-I. And uh, you guys can check out my website. It's johnnegroni.com. Again, it's J-O-N-N-E-G-R-O-N-I. And I talk a lot about, you know, just everything you can imagine in the entertainment world today. Um, I put out a wish list for the Justice League movie franchise, and <laughs> I went as far as to do the entire plot for it and exactly who I want casted. It's not like one of those articles where you're just like, oh, this would be cool. No, I told Warner Brothers exactly what they need to do. Um, so posts like that are kind of what you can expect. Um, I encourage anyone to check it out. If you want a theory, kind of like the Pixar theory, I do have one about Inception. And, you know, whatever, whatever suits, you know, your, your viewership or, I guess, listenership, <laughs> they can uh, check that out. Great. Well, I, I also saw you're a big Arrested Development fan. 
on your on your website too. Yeah, we're two of the biggest. Haven't finished the fourth season. I'm halfway in, and I stopped and I forgot about it. So thanks for reminding me. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think it's the perfect thing for you, John. It's all interwoven. It's all linked. It's very. There's there'll be a lot of things <laughs> for you to pick out and write about for sure. <laughs> I don't know. The fourth season's a little too upfront about it. It's not as subtle, and mm. I, I don't feel like I'm working for it this time. But uh, I'll finish it for sure. And I definitely, yeah, I love rest development. I, that's the the American in me for sure. Yeah, oh, it's very good. It's <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks heaps, John. It was so so much fun. It was great. And thanks. Yeah, it was cool, to you guys. Thanks for having me on. It was really cool. I yeah. uh, hope I could. I'm glad I made believers out of you two. I can't believe that actually happened. Well, <laughs> I was ready for uh, <laughs> right on my parade, but yeah, <laughs> the other way. Mm. So yeah, it was uh, really good to talk to you, John. Best yeah, of luck fun. with the theory. Yes. Sure. And uh, whatever you so decide to do next. Mm. Yeah, if you guys ever have any more questions, you know where I am. So just hit me up. <laughs> sure thing. Oh, thanks, John. Maybe a part two. <laughs> part two in a year's time when we've got another Pixar movie out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fuck, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, thanks, John. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for getting up so much time. No problem. I'll see you guys soon. Yeah, see you, John. Bye. John yeah. Negroni, ladies John and gentlemen. John Negroni. I think he was great. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> it was very, very good. Well, um... Some breaking news. Yeah, a couple of Screen Vertical exclusives. Some <laughs> fan fiction possibly coming our way. And you heard it from the author of the Pixar theory. I can't remember the exact quote, but, um... I don't know, I said the best thing, or the most philosophical thing he said. <laughs> logical about thing about logical the theory. Logical thing about the theory. Very good. So I think that's the podcast. We'll update you with housekeeping and things next week. Yes, that was a bit of a bonus. We this is uh, we weren't yeah. expecting to do this. And it a came little up. screen verdict Easter egg. Yes, <laughs> and a, a little interesting fact for our listeners: all the screen verdict podcasts happen in the same universe. <laughs> they all are connected. Uh, so there you go. Let us know whether you believe the Screen Verdict Theory yes. at uh, facebook.com slash Screen Verdict Podcast. Yeah, and I'm sure Jonathan's working on the essay for that. <laughs> <laughs> we speak. All right. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. Hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. See, see you next week. Bye.